0: Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Back on August 7th of 1974, uh, that a man named Philippe Petit decided that he was going to sneak into the World Trade Center towers, either north or south, and then bring another team at the other tower... And they were going to take a cable 131 feet across, 1,350 feet high, and he was going to walk across from one tower to the other. Was anybody alive when this happened? All right. Uh, This is crazy town, USA. I mean, this is absolutely nuts. And I know that people have done things crazier, but this is what is uh, also amazing about it is that it took uh, Philippe three years of studying the swaying of the towers because those towers would sway a little bit with the wind. And so he had to study this of how he could maintain his balance even when the wind came against him. Now, this is what's incredible, and if you were alive during this, this time, you may remember this, but uh, he didn't just make it across one time, but instead, once again, 1,350 feet in the air, making it 131 feet across, he did it eight times. He spent 45 minutes on the cable. All right, and on this cable, um, he spent 45 minutes, and, and then he would even kneel down because thousands of people gathered around uh, at, the, at the bottom, and he would kneel down and salute the crowds, come back up, and then he would say hello to the birds right beside him. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. Could you imagine having that type of nerves, I mean, this dude would have to have uh, nerves that are more ice cold than Steph uh, Curry right now. I mean, he has nerves of steel to be able to do that. Do you ever feel like, just in life, that you feel like you're just constantly walking on the tightrope? I mean, you know that feeling. There's a guy who wrote a book about uh, tightrope walking, which is... Funambulist. That's a tightrope walker. Had to look up how to say it because we never talked about things like that in Georgia growing up. But he says in his book, "Off Balance on Purpose," um, who uh, Dan Thurman says uh, that every fun. Uh, fun, See, I told you how to look it up. All right. Every single one of these guys, they had to maintain balance while never becoming on balance. That you never truly come at rest. That you are constantly making adjustments that bring them through a point of balance only to readjust to the other side. And then it goes back and forth, back and forth the whole time, never, ever truly coming to rest. He even says this, that most of these movements are so subtle uh, that they are imperceptible to the audience. He writes about how can you achieve this? Like, how could you honestly do this? And he says this in his book. Uh, he says that every new student that comes to study how to do tightrope walking, he says that every new student that comes, they always make the same mistake every single time without fail. That when they get on the tightrope, they look straight down at their feet, trying to figure out how to take their next step. And there are so many followers of Jesus who do the same thing. You may be there in your life. And it's not just the winds, and you're not up 1,300 feet, and you're not trying to walk 131 feet. No, sometimes it's worse. That the tightrope that you are walking on, you feel like that if you take the next step, that you're either going to just fall off completely to the right or to the left, and you just don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. You ever feel like that in life? Because life will always throw you curveballs. The world, they're gonna throw you a curveball, and every now and then they might throw you a knuckleball just for fun. But Peter once again says, and it's not just the world around you, it's not just life. False teachers are gonna throw curveballs at you, they're gonna try to pick you apart. They're going to try their best to throw you off balance. And as you're walking this tightrope, you have all of these things coming at you. And they're just trying to knock you off. Because here's the truth. If the enemy could just get you a little off kilter, if the enemy can just get you where you will just stop and freeze and not pursue Christ anymore, then it's a win for him. But this isn't what we're called to do. We're not called to get scared on the tightrope. We're not called to just freeze on the tightrope. Our calling that in the midst of this, trust the Lord and commit to him. What would it be like if you and I could have this deep of a commitment? Like, What would your life, what would change in your life if you had this type of commitment to Jesus? That even in the uprising of the world and the fall of morality and the rise of false teachers, the rise of false prophets, all of these things happening around you, what would it be like if you could maintain steadiness in your walk with Christ even in the midst of all of it? I think every single one of us would say, please sign me up for that. Like, please help me with that. Do you know what Peter does for us? In this second part of chapter two, he makes it the aim that that we can learn how to steady our walk with Christ if we commit to these four things that Peter gives us. He says, You can steady your walk. Remember back in chapter one, he says, If you do these things, then you will not stumble. Like you will never stumble. Peter makes a guarantee based on the authority of Christ that you can walk steady with him, that you can have stability in your life, even when nothing else around you is. He says you can be steady in your walk. And as you steady yourselves, you dig deeper in Christ himself. And so I want us to look for these four requirements that Peter gives us to steady our walk with him. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, would you mind standing with us, if you're willing and able? If you got it, say got it. 2 Peter 2, and we're going to start in verse 11. It says, however, angels who are greater in might and power, do not bring a slanderous charge against them. Before the Lord, but these people, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they do not understand. And in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery that never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed. Children under a curse, they have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved loved the wages of wickedness, but received a rebuke for his lawlessness. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness These people are springs without water, mist, driven by a storm. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them. For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them, for if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after knowing it, to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb a dog returns to its own vomit, and a wash sow returns to wallowing in the mud. Let's pray. God, help us right now, Father, to learn your word, to apply your word. And God, we pray that right now, above everything, Jesus, that you, by your Spirit, would speak to us. God, that you would take your word and penetrate our hearts with it. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We may be seated once again. You know, I want you to remember that uh, this is Peter's last recorded written words, and he must have placed a unique emphasis and one of the highest priorities on this subject of false teaching because an entire chapter is committed to it. And if Peter in his last words is, is talking about this, it must be important for us because this is like a warning another warning sign to us. And you know how warning signs work. There is a negative that is stated with an implied positive to be attributed or applied. So if you think about that, if you come across a sign and you're driving on the wrong and it says wrong way, well, you have two options. You can keep going straight, which is the wrong way, or you can abide to the sign and do what is implied, which is the positive, and that is to turn around. All right, don't go the wrong way, but instead go the right way. Turn around, okay? If you see a sign that says, uh, do not enter, you probably should not enter, okay? If you do that, then the things are gonna get your tires and it's gonna grab you and it's gonna be a whole thing, all right? Um, People are gonna make fun of you. Okay, that's the worst part. Okay, people just are looking at you like you're weird. Don't go the wrong way, right? Do not enter means do not enter. Don't test it. Don't test the spikes. You can't jump them. Okay, I've tried, all right? It doesn't work. But Peter gives us similar signs here. What Peter does is that in the midst of a negative backdrop of false teaching, he is implying the positive for us to have, for us to apply to our lives. And these are the commitments that he gives us. He says, if you are to avoid these things, then he helps us by understanding, then you should commit to these things. And so the first commitment that we see is that we should commit to dominion over deception. All right, avoid deception, commit to dominion. Now, when we hear the word dominion, it sounds negative also, but it's not. Many times when we think about dominion, we think of a posture of domineering, or we think of a posture of dominating. This is not what is uh, what Peter is talking about here. In fact, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we have a better understanding of what Peter is really connecting here. All right? What does this say? In chapter 1, verse 28, it says uh, this. It says, and God blessed them. Talking about Adam and Eve. This is after the creation of man. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, the call here is for God's chosen vessel, mankind, the image bearers of God himself. He says, this is what you are to do. Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. Now, he specifically talks about animals. But look at what, how, how Peter connects the dots here. Because Peter says this, um, in verse 12. He says, but these people, talking about the false preachers, the false teachers, and the ones following the way of false teaching. He says, but these people, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they do not understand, and in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. Here's what Peter is getting at. Either you will have dominion over the world, or the world will have dominion over you. Either you will subdue the earth and fill it with the image of God, or you will be subdued by the world around you. More specifically, we must understand this as not in the sense of them out there, but rather the sin in here. This is what we see three chapters later in Genesis chapter four. In Genesis chapter four, verse seven, after um, this says, in, in verse seven, it says, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do what is right, uh, Right, uh, excuse me, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You see, the thing is not just the animals to subdue and have dominion. What Peter is getting at is. Is that sin in your own life that you must remember, you must understand, you must know that when you commit to dominion, you are not committing to dominating the world. Um, you are not committing to be domineering over the world, over people around you, over those who are far from God or separated from God, but rather have dominion over your own sin. Have dominion over your own flesh. Then the world will not intercept you. Then the world will not subdue you and have dominion over you. You see, the concentration here is that when we commit to dominion and we are forsaking deception, do not be deceived by your own flesh, do not be deceived by the wickedness of your own heart, do not be deceived by your own rebellion, but rather commit to dominion because what that means is that the Spirit of God has all of you commit to dominion. But the false teachers, they're going to teach something completely different. They're going to try to woo you to understand that you don't have to have dominion over your sin. No, 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 no. You don't have to have dominion over your flesh. It could even creep up in this way We must dominate the world. We must dominate them. They are the ones who are wrong. We must dominate them. No, 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 no. Have dominion over your flesh, have dominion over your sin and follow Christ be filled with the spirit and watch how the world becomes subdued under the authority of Christ commit to dominion over deception we also must commit to principle over profit i want you to see uh, what he says in verse 15 uh, because this seems like out of place to a degree but but he talks about greediness once again, as he said, this is how you can identify a false prophet. This is how you can know if you are following in the path of a false prophet or false teaching. You will begin to forsake principle so that you may maintain profit. Now, what is principle? Principle is the understanding of the way that you should live within God's design this is principle you and i and those who are from the south you understand certain principles like in georgia i was raised to say yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir if not then there are penalties to pay if you don't say those things if i say if i don't say ma'am to my mom then my dad has a belt that helps right that's just how it works that's principle But in the way of the Lord, we have certain expectations of what we are to live by. And God has given us a design that this is how you should live. This is the way that you should walk. Don't go back, but this is the way you should walk. We see it in Ephesians chapter 4. We see it in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 that that you see this is a fragrant offering to the world, uh, excuse me, to the Lord and the way that you walk in this world. But here's what happens when we go a different way. Is that when we forsake principle so that we may have profit, what this means is that so we may have personal gain. It's not just a business term for profit, to increase margin in your business. I, I'm talking about when you forget about the design of God, when you forget about what God has called you to do, just so that you can have personal gains, so that you could fill your life, so that you can feed the flesh, so that you can feed the sin that is crouching at your door. This is giving in to the prophet of the world. And guess what? Every false teacher, every false prophet, they're going to lead you to think that this is a good idea. They're going to lead you to think that, you know what? It is good to follow your own heart. It is good to follow your own dreams. It is good to follow uh, this. It is good to follow the latest thing. It is good to follow these things. And we have three pictures That Peter gives us that says, yeah, you can do that. You can follow your own heart. You can follow your own desires. You can follow what you think is best, but they're going to lead to a dry spring. It's the person who is walking in the middle of the desert and you are just absolutely thirsty. You remember, like, an old cartoon? Poor old Daffy Duck, just walking through the desert. Bugs Bunny has done something again to trick him. And he's walking through the desert, and he sees this sign that says, Fresh water here. But it's a mirage. It's a trick. And he gets all the way there to only find that the spring is completely dry. This is what false teachers do. They promise something nourishing. They promise something refreshing. That, hey, I I have a, a new word. I have a refreshing word for you. And then at the end of the day, it is absolutely dry, it is absolutely empty. He then says it's also like mist driven by a storm. Listen, and Tyler, we've had tons of storms lately. Lots of thunder, lots of lightning, lots of rain. Sometimes there is rain, sometimes there is not. You see, what Peter is talking about here is this mist driven by the storm. Is There's a a lot of thunder, a lot of lightning, and there's absolutely no rain to nourish the fields. No rain to finally uh, nourish my azaleas. And I need the rain because I cut up my irrigation system, all right? You know that. He says that false teachers are like that. It's just a little miss. There's absolutely nothing nourishing for you. Lots of thunder, a lot of catchy sayings, real flashy. I mean, they have, have their coolest sayings. They have their coolest hair. They have the coolest jackets. They have the coolest shoes. I mean, they are flashy, flashy, and they are thunderous with their uh, voice and with their sayings and with everything that they have, and yet it just leads to a mist, and there's nothing nourishing for your soul. It says, be careful about that. A lot of thunder with no rain will leave you dry and will lead your soul barren just like a drought and then he says the gloom of darkness he makes this last picture to let you know that you'll get in on this tunnel everybody knows there's of the saying, the light at the end of the tunnel anybody just me that's weird thought it was pretty common, maybe not. All right, but there's this saying, okay, uh, I guess it's a saying that there's light at the end of the tunnel. The the problem with what Peter's describing here is that you get in this tunnel with the, with the false teaching. You get in this tunnel that is leading you astray and there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just darkness and darkness and darkness and darkness and it's going to lead to destruction. It is leading you to devastation. It is leading you to a place of where you cannot return. He's saying, watch out for these things. Watch out for the preacher who promises you all types of things, who promises a return on your investment, who promises these things that are not attached to God's word. He says, don't just not listen to them. Get rid of them. In fact, take them outside of the city gates so they can't turn anybody astray. He says, beware because they're everywhere. Peter says, just as they are going to rise up now, they will continue to rise up even more at the end of the time, in the last days. Watch out for these things. And the last thing he tells us is that we should commit to freedom over failure. Freedom over failure. Listen to what he says in verse 19. He says, uh, they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. Listen, going to a false teacher to talk about freedom is the same thing talking to a cowboy who has a, a nice hat, but he has no ranch. Listen, that joker doesn't know what he's talking about. All right. If you're going to go to him about advice about how to raise cattle, how to run cattle, but he doesn't have any cattle, he doesn't have any land, okay, you see where I'm going with this? It's like going to to somebody uh, to ask them how to take care of your vehicle, but they have not yet uh, changed their oil in their own car, all right? It just doesn't work. They don't have any good advice. And if you missed that word, it was oil, okay? I see some of you looking at me funny, all right? He says, you can't trust them. Peter says, listen, you cannot trust somebody to tell you about freedom when they're enslaved. You can't trust somebody to tell you about what it means to walk this way toward freedom. And they're in chains. They're in shackles. He says, why would you listen to somebody in shackles about what it means to live free? He said, listen, there is only one person who can provide freedom for your life. And his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. Stop listening to enslaved people lest you become enslaved yourself. Says it is a trap Don't give in to it. And then really the last thing is he tells us is that we are to have, uh, to commit to remaining over returning. Commit to remaining over returning. You see what he says in verse 20. He says, For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated. Listen, this is a warning. Listen, if you're going to follow the way of false teaching, if you're going to follow the way of a of, of false prophet, then just understand that you will get entangled in these things. Instead, remain in Christ. Commit to remaining yourself so that you're not like the dog that returns to its own vomit. You're not like the, the sow or the pig that wants to just wallow in the mud. You're not like those things, but rather you are committed and you are sure, you are steady, you are stable in your walk with jesus christ and listen to the promise that jesus himself gives us in john chapter 15 verse four you talk about a steady walk with god a steady walk with christ it says this in verse four remain in me and i in you just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine neither can you unless you remain in me listen to remain means to surrender I want us to be careful here. Because listen, if you commit to these things, the promise is not that your life is going to be easy. If you commit these things, then Jesus will save you. That's not what it means. If you commit to these things, then guess what? Then you're going to be able to do whatever you want. You're going to be able to chase any dream you want. You're, all of these promises, listen, that's not what Peter is describing here. He's saying, listen, if you commit to these things, what it is like, it is like you attaching yourself to the one who is steady. It is like you attaching yourself to the hip of Jesus. Because Jesus is the author. He is the object of our faith. He is the object of our worship. It is not us. It is not us doing X, Y, Z, and then we will remain. It is us aligning our steps, aligning our walk with God himself. J.I. Packer describes this as walking in step with the spirit of God. And this is what you and I are to do. That through our commitment to Christ, what it is doing is it is taking our feet. And we are doing our best to get into the steps of Jesus Christ himself. And he says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. In you. There is nothing you can do to separate yourself from God himself through salvation, but there are several things you can do to disrupt your walk with Jesus. So many times in our walk, so many times in life, when we feel like we're that tightrope walker, and we're just wondering, God, what is going on in my life right now? God, what are you doing around me? And we're just wobbly. We're unsure of our next step. We have anxiety. We have worry. And we're just uncertain. What is going to happen if I step again? Am I going to fall? Is that the end? God, are you even there You see, the promise is is that in our commitment of remaining, it's the promise that he gives us is to just simply fix your eyes on Christ. He is going to see you through the end. He is with you every step that you take. He is guiding you. He is balancing you, and even when you feel as if you are about to fall, praise be to Jesus that he does not let you fall. He will not let you outside of his grip. He will not let you go outside of his grace. He is that faithful. He is that good. He is a good father. How desperate must we think? How desperate must we feel as if God has abandoned us or forsaken us? Listen, God doesn't abandon you. He doesn't forsake you. He stays with you every step of the way. And it doesn't matter what you are facing. It doesn't matter what trial you are walking through. It doesn't matter what is going on in the world around us. We have a true, faithful, good father who looks at you as his own son and as his own daughter and says, you, You belong to me from this point forward and for all time. And nothing in eternity will ever change that. You're not walking a tightrope. You're just on this side of eternity. And can I just remind you? God's got you. Jesus has you in the palm of his hand and no one could ever take you out of it will you just bow your head and just close your eyes and will you just pray right where you are and ask the Lord God do I do I truly have this relationship with you If we're being honest, we feel like we're on this tightrope. We feel like we're walking and we're just out of balance. We're unsteady. And, and the truth is it could be because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You see, your first commitment before all of these is to commit your life to Jesus. To so commit your life in the saving arms of Jesus. And he says, when you come to me, I'm going to take you. For some of you right now, that is the commitment that you need to make. Others of you, you have committed your life to Jesus. You feel so distant from God. You feel so unstable in your walk. Maybe today... You just need to put a stake in the ground and say, Jesus, I'm committing these things to you. This is your step of faith. This is your act of obedience to just commit those things to God. Lord Jesus, whatever it is across this room, those watching on television, those watching online, Father, whatever it is, wherever people are, Thank you for hearing them. God, thank you for hearing us. God, I'm praying for the person who, they need to take that step of obedience to surrender their life to you, to repent and to turn to you, to turn away from their sin and to turn towards you. Father, would you give them the courage and the strength to do that today? But Father, for the person who is walking a tightrope right now, God, will you pick them up? Will you turn them around? God, will you put their feet on solid ground as you promise you will? May we feel the steadiness of your presence in our lives today. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Uh, Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray A very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we want to help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, Maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres whatever that decision is we want to come alongside you and so do us a favor you can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly whatever it is that God has laid on your heart we want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ I look forward to hearing from you soon